You're listening to the Racking Focus Podcast. Hey, welcome back to the Racking Focus Podcast. I'm Josiah Blizzard. And I'm John Doyle. And today we're going to be talking about uh, Nomadland. Nomadland by Chloe Zhao. And this uh, is on Hulu. If you want to watch, this is uh, it's on Hulu. So just get a free 30-day trial and give it a watch. I would recommend watching it. I mean, if we want to just start right off the bat, I would recommend that that you watch the film. Yeah, in our spoiler-free version, we can say right up front, I think it's a film yeah. people should watch. Yeah, I think it's yeah. great. And certainly, you know, for those of you who are nervous about uh, a film that uh, may not be a giant blockbuster in your head, Hulu makes it a really viable right. choice to give it a shot. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to be talking uh, up front, spoiler-free, so you don't have to worry about us spoiling uh, the film for you. And then uh, we'll dive into some spoiler-filled stuff uh, a little bit later on, and we'll let you know when that's happening. Uh, so, John, you know, I start every episode of this podcast by asking you, what did you think? Uh, well, I liked it a lot. Um uh, it is a film that certainly requires some work on your part as an audience, especially mm-hmm. the first 30 minutes or so of it. Mm-hmm. Spoiler, spoiler free version of it, just saying that, you know, there's, there's a lot for you to uh, uncover and accept mm-hmm. in the beginning of the story um, from both a sort of cinematic style and from story and performance. Uh, yeah. But once you, once you commit, once you're able to commit, uh, I think it's a really interesting film full of very uh, unusual structure and thoughtful story and theme. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the thing that stuck out to me almost immediately was that this felt like I was watching a documentary. Right. You know, um, a, a documentary on somebody who doesn't actually exist like this person isn't real but that person could be real and it 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 was we talk about tone a lot i think on this podcast you know and and that's where some movies go wrong and that's where a lot of movies um you know fail um and that's where ultimately where a lot of movies also succeed is when they nail that the nail nail the tone um and this movie has like such a clear vision, a clear tone, a clear style um, that could have easily, you know, in the hands of somebody else, a, a, a less experienced director or a uh, director who wasn't committed to that vision would have just flubbed big time. Um, you got to commit to something like this. And it's a risky move because I don't think this this isn't a style of filmmaking that you see very often. Right. Um and I think that's also why this movie is standing out, especially in like award season right now, having just won best drama at the Golden Globes. And we'll see where it lands with critics at the academies. But um, it's definitely standing out. And I mean, I almost in the middle of this movie, I was like, man, I need to text my brother and tell him to go watch Nomadland on Hulu because I'm more like 75% of the way through the movie. But I know that he's going to like it. And I know that the reaction I'm having to it is going to be a little bit different for him, but he's going to appreciate the film. And I think that's how f- films like this will get, mm-hmm. you know, the word out of, right. you need to go watch this movie. Uh, and like you said, there's a lot to kind of, um, not interpret, but unpack. Yeah. Is the way I would say like, there's yeah. a lot, to, lot to talk about. I, yeah. I, I think that one of the interesting things is right. It has this documentary feel, right. Which mm-hmm. to some extent makes a lot of sense. Yeah, oh, so yeah. both dramatically and what we know about what's happening inside the story, but it also has some extraordinarily interesting camera work. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this shot early on that's repeated later with the um, the van uh, that McDormand's character is driving going down a road, which is not a spoiler because that's pretty much <laughs> what the story is. And the camera just pans left across the space, reframing, like revealing the van, reframing the van Mm -hmm. moving into a different shot as the the van moves around a curve and i was like this is an incredible yeah like there's and that's just one example there's so many yeah what are steadicam shots right moving these moving uh, shots there's these marvelously center framed shots there's brilliantly done 
like rule of thirds standard shooting you just see over and over again the framing of images is so strong and and yet within that documentary tone i, I think mm -hmm. you're, you're exactly well, right it, about that i don't i don't know what their planning process was like because it it could have gone two ways it could have either been a we are uh we're just going to kind of do this type of shot and Francis, you're going to go from point A to point B and the DP Joshua uh, James Richards is going to kind of follow you or whoever the Steadicam op is, is going to follow you. Right. And they end up with that shot, right? Very much documentary esque, right? Where right. we're just going to follow you and we're going to get what we get. Um, or they could have really planned this out and really tried to make it look like it was documentary but very rigid which it doesn't feel that way to me to me it feels like they were just like here's your action here's kind of the shot we're going to get but we're also going to get what we get because there's shots right where they're people are talking around a campfire or um actions are happening and it's not perfect it's not precise they, the actually the the focus is pulled I, I I don't under, I don't know how they did this, but the the focus puller was amazing. Whoever the focus puller was, I agreed completely. Um, I don't ever bring that up on a podcast, but like that was the focus puller nailed it. And there's not like a ton of like movement, you know, in terms of um, whatever this axis is of me moving closer to you, or it was that the x axis, whatever this is. Um, and the, it's more left to right rather than closer dis distance wise i don't know how to explain this um right the, so there's the, not a ton the, to pull but the, the, right there's this real sense of landscape to this yeah, film right yeah, and yeah. so we, we have that flat frame the proximity to the yeah. subject from the camera doesn't change all that much if they're following them they're staying at the distance they've been the entire shot there's a few shots obviously that that doesn't happen with but the focus puller nailed it when it was kind of moving in and out and but there's times where they get these shots that just they're imperfect they're um they feel raw and organic and natural and they're just like we're gonna put the camera in the space and here's kind of what is going to happen there's a scene uh where somebody uh, is entering a home and meeting people for the first time and they're having a conversation and it feels like a real moment where right. it's completely unscripted and they've just said we want this to feel real so you are going to enter everybody else just ask a question ask ask them and, a question of the film that may be the most scripted scene yeah right right like that's how good the work is with yeah with and i and i, I think that's where you see the incredible impact of a good director mm -hmm. is the blocking the you know the production design the camera work the the staging not the blocking but the staging like the the placement and positioning of everything mm -hmm. that the camera just moves through these spaces in in ways that feel completely organic yeah and that is a, a real treat the pacing of the movie is is slow right it, it's a very methodical yeah. experience and that's why you know that first 30 minutes for someone could be challenging mm -hmm. there's a lot to figure out and it isn't revealed through exposition right right um and uh you know the bulk of the exposition is done in three sentences at the beginning of the, the story right and then we get these little bites of information as we move through um and the language of the script is so plain right they're very plain spoken mm -hmm. people and it's why later on when we when we get something that's less plain spoken and we'll talk about that in the second half it's it's really overwhelming but right you know they're very plain spoken and as a result it feels completely what in theater i would call naturalistic so like sure. there's realistic but realistic is not the same as natural naturalistic right, right, when right. you're playing that thing that would be in the real world but because the voices are quiet and mm -hmm. and as an, an audience person you have to really be willing to engage in that to get to the next step yeah yeah um you brought up cinematography we were talking about cinematography a little bit yeah. so i would say the cinematography is like right on the money for like what this film needs to be yep. same with i mean 
the production design. Obviously, it just I almost feels like they didn't do any production design and they just were kind of in the spaces. Obviously, you're going and choosing places that might have, you know, this type of aesthetic where you're bringing in a boatload of rocks for certain shots. And so that's probably and in some in some homes and definitely in the vans. And the, definitely the, vans the vans is where most of the production design right. went to. Um, and the work in the 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 work in the van is incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah. McDormand's van is an, an incredible accomplishment. And, and we see a few different vans. Decoration. Right. We do. Um, but yeah, hers especially is. I mean, she walked you kind of through the van a little bit. Mm-hmm, exactly. And these in these nomads are proud of their homes, proud of their vans. In the same way that people today, if you go on YouTube and you search a, you know, sprinter van build, people are millions of people are watching these builds to try and figure out how do I, you know, live a, a more glamorous van life than what, you know, <laughs> Francis McDormand's characters living. Um, you know, a kid I knew in college has built three of these sprinter vans and they're incredible. They're incredible. The the stuff you can fit into these vans and like makes you want to like go out and live in a van for a bit and travel around the country. Um, but there's definitely hardship to that, which we obviously see in this, in this film. Um, so yeah, this, it feels like we can't talk about much more on, no. without getting into right. spoiler. I think territory. The, the key is to say the acting's top notch and mm-hmm. for, and it played the play the way it needs to be. Mm-hmm. Strathairn and McDormand are spectacular and that the, the craft of filmmaking is really excellent. Yeah. And as a result, you have, uh, you have a movie you should go see and then we should go. It's extremely well done. And the interesting thing also to add is that the actors, really the only people acting who are actual actors are McDormand and, um, Strathairn, Strathairn. David Strathairn, right? Everybody else is kind of playing themselves. But, and and that may be where we have to go to spoilers. Yeah, is that spoilers? I don't know if that's a spoiler. I don't know or if that's not. spoilers. I don't, I don't, I don't know how that would impact my viewing of the film. That's what I'm thinking. I knew that going into the film. Okay, so yeah, yeah I, I, themselves versus a character of themselves, and that's what I think we want to talk about in spoilers. Yeah, not, not the fact that they're, the, the, you know, there's a lot of folks here who are in their first film, but what sort of that means is what we have to do in the next half. Cool. All right. Well, spoilers are coming up. You've been warned. Spoiler alert. Uh, what we've got is parts and labor, $2,300 okay. in tax. I just looked up the value on your van. With that high a mileage, you're looking about $5,000 at the most. I'd probably recommend... Um, taking that money and putting it towards a different vehicle. Yeah, no, well, I can't do that. I can't do that, see, cause, all right. Um, I uh, uh, spent a lot of time and money building the inside out, and um, a lot of people don't understand the value of that, but um, it's not something like we can... I live in there. It's my home. All right, so spoilers are coming. You've been warned again. Um, let's unpack this a little bit more. Um, where do you want to start? Uh, <laughs> it's, it's difficult. It is. The, I mean, the film is methodical and and episodic in a way. Oh, that yeah, is it's like unique. moment to moment, right? Right. You yeah. know, it, it isn't. Which is how they're living. That's right. Yeah. And, and they're always on the road. So it is this traveling film. It's a film of movement. It but goes by it goes is, by seasons, right? Like because they're looking seasons. for jobs, mm-hmm. and so it, it feels episodic, like you're saying. But it makes sense as to why. Yeah, and it's you know? not episodic in the kind of way that we think of a traditional episodic film, where mm-hmm. a thing happens and then a new thing happens. Mm-hmm. It's simply we're on this journey, and there are stopping points that are yeah. story beats yeah. for us to experience. Right, um, and you know there. Uh, I, I guess the place to start is to talk a little bit about what what you sort of feel about the structure and pacing of the film. Like, let's just start right there, like sure. the structure and how it fits together, and you know what happens at the end and how it matches the beginning and that kind of thing. So, so <laughs> we watched this with both Steph and Lisa, your wife and daughter, and my wife and 
mother-in-law. <laughs> well done. <laughs> to confuse everybody well done. here on the podcast. Um, and I warned Steph in the kitchen before we watched the movie. And I apologize. I said, I'm sorry if you're going to be extremely bored during this film. Cause, and I hadn't seen it until, you know, we watched it just now, but I had a feeling that it was going to be slower paced and not something that, you know, Steph is necessarily going to enjoy a hundred percent. And, um, that said, it definitely takes its time, right? It doesn't rush through the moments. It doesn't, it doesn't transition from one scene or one location to the next in a hard cut. It is about the journey from place to place. And so in between, you know, uh, there's travel time, like there's legitimate travel time and there's experience that there's experiences that happen in between, um, you know, the places they're, they're existing for the majority of the film, whether that's a burger joint or a, uh, or sorry, a restaurant, um, or someone's house or the deserts. Right. Landscape. Uh, there's travel time in between there and there's beautiful moments that uh, to me, like are the moments in life that you want to remember, but they're overlooked in the film. Not because not because they uh, not. And that's not a bad thing. It's purposefully overlooked in the film because that's what ends up getting overlooked in life. Um, and so the pacing's slow, but it's slow for a reason. Um, if this film was 30 minutes shorter it would suffer from you know you wouldn't be able to you okay no i just don't know where my thoughts are going so i'm gonna pause for a second um yeah if it if it was if there was if there was 30 minutes cut out of the film where are you guys going? I don't understand what's happening here. Okay, I'm just going to hold real quick. All right. Okay. All right, great. I'm freezing. Okay, let's, let's restart once they walk out the door. It's okay. This is the outtake portion. Good, we're at a 16 minutes. Good, we'll figure it out. All of a sudden, I was like, well, "Where is my brain going?" I know. I well, don't know what is so happening. much distraction. Oh, son of a gun! Um, trying to think of when they came down. I don't know. There's these moments in between the the places that they're existing for the majority of the movie, whether that's a burger joint or um, in the desert landscape or. Uh, at at someone's house or at the Amazon facility um, during Christmas and New Year's uh, that are the moments in life that that are like the experiences that you live and it primarily that they're living by themselves as nomads right you're on the road and you're just traveling from point A to point B to point C to point D throughout your year and it's cyclical because you're trying you know you're going to get this job at this time of year and you're living this like the same kind of life that somebody would live if they lived in a regular house, the same life you and I live where this week by week, we do the same things. You go to work nine to five, you come home or whatever it is, the hours that you have. And they're doing the same thing, except their cyclical, like yearly calendar is just stretched a little bit differently. And so they go through seasons of change rather than uh, a week of the same thing or a year of the same thing or, or, or nine months for you as a teacher, you're talking summers off. That's right. when your thing changes. But there's these moments of life when they're traveling and Francis McDermott's characters um, floating in the river um, or she's um, she's it, with the redwoods. She's with the redwoods or she's ex- she's experiencing, um, you know, life by the uh, cliffs yeah. uh, on the sea and those are the moments that really stuck out to me uh and those are the moments that would have been cut from the film to shorten the runtime by what if you cut all that out 10 minutes at least even more probably maybe maybe more than that right yeah and those are the moments that we often will overlook in life as something that's not meaningful but i think that those are some of the more meaningful parts because even as i'm watching those scenes cut together it feels like I'm watching a poem 
you know, visually on, on the TV. And there's a lot of emotion to the visuals that, you know, that are relating to the moment that she just experienced prior and the experience she's going to experience next. Mm -hmm. And that stuff would have been cut out if, again, if Searchlight didn't let them have, it didn't let Chloe Zhao have her, her film the way that she wanted it. Yeah. And I mean, it's, there's, I would say there's bravery on the part of so many people in this film. The, the nomads playing for all practical purposes themselves or characters with their name, mm -hmm. whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. um, though those individual characters are bravely presenting themselves honestly out there in the world. And McDormand is extraordinarily brave in her performance. And, yeah. and I say brave because it's the only word I can come up with. I'm not, I, <laughs> I don't want to make the wrong suggestion sure, sure, about sure, it. Sure. But like definitely taking risks and full-blown commitment to the acting choices that she's making mm -hmm. and the situation she's working with and the clarity of, of the emotional state um, and the the naturalistic nature of it. And we see that in each component. And I think that that's something yeah. that we're, that the film benefits so much from that. Yeah, um, and so the pacing there is necessary for it to be slow because you would lose out on important emotion from not just from the actors but from what they're experiencing um because it's not a it's not a movie about it's not a movie for Frances McDormand's character it's not about her it's about all of us and um your experience that you have when watching the film and my experience because if if this is truly a like an art form right like you think about when you go into a museum and you look at a painting how does that painting that was painted 300, 400 years ago, how do I, how do I see that painting? How do I experience that painting of that landscape or of this person or of this bowl of fruit? We're all going to have our different interpretations of it and experiences of it. And that's what I think this movie does is that you're going to bring your own thing to this film. And if you cut the pacing down and made it 30 minutes shorter and everything was sped up, you wouldn't have time to process. You wouldn't have time to, actually figure out what your interpretation is of this painting because you'd be moving on to the next one so fast that there's no time to think about it yeah and I, yes i i think that the, there is really a, a part of the methodical nature of the film too is that that's what this experience of life is mm -hmm. you know you're being very present in the world you're encountering the environment nature mm -hmm. you're 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 not being distracted by the buzz of the cell phone or the yeah. Uh, television you want to watch the you know right. the, the, the 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 culture that we live in is not grabbing you and, and pulling your head in different directions and so we need to as an audience watching it be moving in that same structure through space and through time slowly with them and then that means you're going to have a scene that in the uh in the van that's a little longer than you might normally do to, to sort of in, to allow us to experience that mm -hmm. you know the other thing I think that was done really well in that fashion too is each of the issues that these people deal with instead of being presented to us in some narrative or narration of exposition and context we watch things happen so there's a sequence where mm -hmm. it's all about uh, stomach issues there's a sequence where right. you know right. they're like there's places where there's sort of these hives of what it means to be in this particular situation. Um, and, you know, this idea that Bob talks about, about seeing people down the road, when he says that near the end of the film, we've, we've experienced that through the entire film. We are right. re-meeting these characters who we've met and we're meeting them in just the fashion. You know, yeah. I, I think of the guy who shares the sandwich and the cigarette and... Yeah. Uh, the beer and in, in the end when we meet him the first time it's just a bump in the story right it's a, right. a moment where we see McDormand in this charitable stance that she takes so much in the in the piece and then later on we have this new encounter but it isn't a new encounter encounter it's an old encounter it is a meeting them down the road and yeah that idea of this repetition of human experience it is fascinating yeah you know um, this is not a movie full of emotional trauma it's a movie full of the trauma of living. Like it's mm -hmm. instead of finding these individual traumatic things to slap at us as a, a movie 
you know wants to build rising action to climax right this film just keeps allowing us to live through the trauma of life Mm -hmm. in this exploration which i thought was really interesting well and and trauma that almost doesn't feel like trauma because you're just living like normal life you know i i never thought of the word trauma while i was watching it because the only traumatic thing that happened happened off screen before the movie started right exactly and and we're dealing with that trauma through the entire right piece, right these are right. traumatized people yeah because that's what happened with bob right he tells that story of his right right right, right. Uh, all the trauma has already happened we're not seeing new trauma happen we're, we're just seeing we're watching them live continue it. to live the best they can in with while while keeping all the trauma internally you know inside them like just mm-hmm locked down because they don't talk about i mean bob doesn't talk didn't talk about it right until the end about his son until the end um well we get these revelatory scenes because swanky does the same thing she's she bottles it all up and then suddenly she's like and here's this thing about me right and you're like woof wow the bomb that went off right it happens sort of with linda it Mm -hmm. it certainly happens with francis dormant's character um uh, yeah fern keeps it all inside too right she doesn't talk about her husband except for with um with bob i think and with swanky maybe a little bit or linda may they they talk about it earlier but not in the kind of richness that we get when that scene with bob Mm -hmm. you know and just to pause on that moment when she's with uh the guy who she exchanges the sandwich and beer with Mm -hmm. just to say that that choice to read that shakespeare sonnet yeah was extraordinary because in a film of such simple plain language that's completely human language to hear shakespeare the poetry it just explodes on the screen yeah and yet that poetry is absolutely true to the theme of the story like the theme of that poem is very much about that that idea that no matter what you look like you know you are the fairest of all things Mm -hmm. and this like really embrace of human but to, to hear her to hear the plain spoken character Francis McDormand is playing yeah. recite that Shakespeare poem with such meaning is one of those places where you know how good an actress <laughs> McDormand yeah. is. Like you just did. Yeah. Like, yeah, she crushes it. She crushes it. And she's crushing it even more so because she was been crushing it the whole film. Right, 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 right. Right. You just uh, didn't realize how much she was crushing it right. until, until that moment. Um, yeah, you fully believe her, her in her performance next to a bunch of uh, other performers who not, aren't necessarily actors, um, who don't have any experience right. doing this, who might not even realize that, you know, she's an actress right. herself. Um, well, the, the guy, Bob, um, I know a guy just like Bob, um, not doing what he's doing at all. Um, but, um, I mean, he's, he's a friend and a person who I admire immensely. And he uh, he spent a hunk of time out in the the red desert, like he just has gone out to the red desert and lived there for mm-hmm. a hunk <laughs> of time. Like he, he, but and and he lived in the Pine Barrens in New Jersey, yeah. in, in a house, sort of in not in general isolation. And he speaks at the cadence of Bob, like when Bob was speaking, right? I'm like, that's a real man's cadence. That's the cadence of this friend of mine. Yeah, and you know, uh, I admire the the freedom that this friend of mine has and 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 i would not say he's not locked down to a job for some hunk of his life and whatever it may be and he used to have a place called the shack that was on the shore that for all practical purposes was a shack that you go (laughs) visit and hang out at yeah and it's a very different lifestyle but the what i found really fascinating is the pace of that and this film is classified in the sort of the genre category strangely enough as a western Really, and in the end, it's a it is a western yeah. because it's about the West. Right, it, it is definitively not an urban Eastern. There's a moment where they said something like, um, "Don't drive east because there's no place to park out there." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that there's something to be said about the fact that there isn't any place to park out here. Right, and that out in the West, where where there's space and you know big sky and big country and huge expanses of rocks you get lost and like i thought when she gets lost in the badlands what a great freaking metaphorical idea she's traveling in the badlands and then she goes out into the badlands and she gets lost yeah 
And she's all she's rescued essentially by Strathairn, who does the same thing dramatically in the story in, in a great deal right. uh, of way. And I, you know, I just really, uh, I think there's so much clever writing in this that is masked by simplicity. Yeah, I didn't even pick up on that. That's on the Badlands thing, getting lost, and and the mirror of of Strathairn's character, Dave, pulling her back, kind of towards this different lifestyle of and then she rejects him anyway right she I mean, right. she rejects him in, the, in that that moment too in, in a way um but yeah i mean the badlands are i mean that's a place you can get lost in for, oh, sure. for sure well if she's walking through and i'm like you get turned around and all of a sudden you don't know where you are when she starts so. skipping it down right she just takes off on her own leaves society and skips down and i'm like this is what she does this mm-hmm. is her this is her life choice mm-hmm. um and you know, Swanky brings up to her at one point, you know, you have to be safer. Like you're right. Where's your spare tire? Like yeah. you could die out here. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Um, well, and she doesn't learn from it either. Cause nope. like she doesn't have any, I, I'm wondering where all her money goes. Um, because she's, or, or how much money she's making. Right. Cannot be much money at all. It can't be much, but you're talking. If you're, if I don't know, I don't want to do the math on the podcast, but she's doing, she's working frequently. And so I don't know where the money goes if it pays if she's trading and bartering time for like a parking spot or if you know what I mean like but yeah, all of a sudden it, she's hit with a twenty three hundred dollar bill for her truck but she can't pay it she needs to borrow all twenty three hundred dollars so I'm wondering where the money went does it just go to gas does it just where does it go to one well, so, yeah and you're not there's not a savings account right like there's it's right, just getting paid in cash probably this, under it's the such a fascinating way but I think that the, you know bringing up the going to get the money that scene with her sister mm-hmm. that that is intense that's a yeah fantastic bit of yeah drama too yeah oh yeah and they i mean you're pulling in real estate agents right and, right and people who work in the real estate industry and you're getting this conflict between people who like living locked down and people who who do like living locked down I, like i i truly think fern doesn't like the nomad life well, well, that was my interpretation okay. anyway. Yeah, I, I don't. All I would say is that if she's locked down, she's locked down to that van and the way someone is to a home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. My interpretation of this film is that Fern is living in so much fear of having the rug pulled out from under her again that she'd rather live in a mobile van where she has somewhat control over where she is and how long she'll stay because she's afraid that if she puts down roots again that the rug is going to be pulled out from under her in the same way that her husband died and then the uh, Empire, factory shut right. down. And then all of a sudden that town she lives in no longer has even has a zip code. Can you imagine the town that – can you imagine King of Prussia, Pennsylvania, all of a sudden like – Right, so empty. All of a sudden, a yeah, yeah, 19406 doesn't have a zip code anymore and nobody lives here and that mall around the corner is abandoned and so are all the shops and all the houses. Well, and fully That's, abandoned. That is full trauma right yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and you're forced to move somewhere else because you, I mean, sure. She could live in that house, that house. You know, she walked in at the end and she, you could absolutely still live there, but there's no place to go get food or to go get gas or to, but no electricity, to, no, nothing, no electricity, right? no plumbing, no. And she, you know, what, what I find really interesting is, you know, we, I think that the reservation, the decision at the end of the story, when she empties that, uh, storage space I think at that point she's resigned herself that she wants to live this nomadic life I think when we we know that there's something weird about it because she refuses to go to the nomad camp at first she ends mm-hmm. up there and a lot of good comes out of her going there with mm-hmm. Linda May and seeing Linda and spending time with her but but that um, that was not something she wanted to do she sort of removing that up there oh, oh going to the uh, go, yeah, yeah you know when she when she goes that first time to the the nomad training camp that Bob Weld. It was in part, I think because of the winter that was there and the cold and the fact that she couldn't get work. Right. Right. But she, but her reticence to go is part of why I think you're right about her being that the nomad life isn't like the thing that it seems to be. And then it, but but I think at the end when she abandons all of the, Mm -hmm. her stuff and says, there's nothing there I really want. Well, I think I think she was still holding on to stuff from Empire. She was still holding on to Bo's yeah. things in the same way she's still holding on to that plate from her dad. Right. That gets shattered. Um, these are things that you 
like these are material things that you can't hold on to and nomadic people the people people who live in vans typically aren't very materialistic people they're they're not they're not storing up uh they're not storing up all of these items but instead are storing up uh memories and experiences and feelings inside right like they the slides that she goes through at the end are a good uh are one of the items that actually they would keep right, right? the photos are the things that they would keep because they're f just physical memories um and so when she clears out that storage bin i and and you know the film is i to me was actually somewhat really open-ended you could see her and i think you interpreted it as she's gonna live continue living this routine life cycle i interpreted it as she's cleared out her stuff her 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 time with Bo has come and gone. She's going to see him down the road somewhere like in an, in the, whether it's the next life or in the afterlife, right. or whatever it is, they'll be reunited in some way, but he's in here, right? He's in her, in, in, in her, in her memories, in her heart, wherever, whatever you need to tell yourself to comfort yourself. That's where that person that departed lives. And I think that she was going to find roots somewhere. And see, and I'm I'm going to say I think she was de definitively not going to find. Yeah, roots. and so that's the cool thing about this movie is yeah. that we have just completely experienced two separate things, um, with a completely different ending. Um, right, because the film doesn't want to tell us that; mm -hmm. it wants to give us an experience of what these people's lives are like. Yeah, and to value them. I mean, I one of the things I think that's really wonderful is these amateur actors performing. Mm -hmm. these roles are on point yeah. when it comes to being like valued by the film. So the film doesn't make that dismiss them in any way. Yeah. It doesn't sneer at this lifestyle. It really embraces it. So we see the horrors of things they have to encounter, you know, the, the bathroom cleaning and I mean, there's some awful there's things some awful that they stuff, have to do. Uh, but in that same way, they're, they're they are, valued completely as humans yeah and there's that line that mcdormand says early in the piece i'm not homeless i'm houseless mm -hmm. that that's one of those lines that may feel like really simple to say but it it is a line that says your your value system mm -hmm. doesn't dismiss what these people are and i and i think that that's really important whether it's throwing rocks in the fire for swanky or and I, and I love that we don't really get closure on Linda May. Right, she's just gone because you'll see her down the road. Because we'll see her down the road. And, and Strathairn has made a decision. So he's the one that he's the one that's going to put roots down. Right. And there's reasons for that. And we, and we sure. see it. We understand the, the home he's in and what it means and what he wants from uh, Fern, like what his, what his desire is there. Mm -hmm. And it isn't what the, the simple romantic sexual relationship someone wants it's just about home right it's right. about roots and family yeah uh, connection and, 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 and belonging um, and he you know the the all of those moments though are valued so when she walks into that house that you talked about earlier in the podcast she is completely welcomed into that home yeah there isn't some sneering sense of upper class or right. whatever they don't and, care where she's been right yeah. and, and her sister even defends her mm -hmm. even though she doesn't or that she wants her to come live with her yeah her sister defends her yeah and that to me is something that the film is doing that is that's interesting because it could take cheap and easy shots right at anyone in this this story and it just doesn't do it yeah yeah it doesn't it doesn't uh, force you to agree with any one perspective right um but 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 tells you that those people are are still valued valued right yeah. are valuable there are legitimate yeah. human beings yeah um and there's so many like little beautiful moments in, in the film um of of that of like interpersonal can you remember at the beginning of the film there was this woman with tattoos she's holding up her arm with um lyrics to a song a tat with a tattooed i don't remember what the lyrics I were I, I couldn't remember if you knew um what they were or not but i think it had something to do with home as well and it, it to me i you know 
five, 10 minutes into the movie, I felt like, okay, this feels like the theme that is going to be stated, but um, it was also that houseless versus homeless mm-hmm. uh, thing that she says in the Walmart. I think it was a Walmart with the little girl uh, with the, with the girl that she yeah. instituted. Yeah. Um, and that's, and that's what it is about finding your home where you're comfortable. You don't have to be in a house. You can be in a van, you can be in a tent, you can be uh, backpacking uh, mm-hmm. and be living under a tree, hanging your jeans on the, on the limbs of the tree. And um, wherever you feel like you belong is where, you should be mm-hmm. um if, and that might be by yourself or with a community of people in the desert or with a family at home so um yeah the film doesn't make any decisions for you it doesn't tell you what's right and what's wrong it only tells you that doesn't matter where you are you you are valued where you are right and and you know from a filmmaking standpoint just to sort of backtrack sure, from sure, all sure, the sure, theme sure. It, all of the parts of this film are hammering away at that same idea yeah so we we have beautiful framing we have gorgeous vistas we have lovely lit images in the vans or Mm -hmm. around the campfire like there's so many strong pieces of craft because the the human beings the characters are front of this film yeah and so the rest of it is sitting there supporting like it's all foundation for these characters to be able to present themselves and so when we see, you know, actors who aren't professional actors, a weaker film, this becomes a B movie. If all the craft is out of place, right. this becomes, you know, some B knockoff of Mad Max. You know what I'm saying? Right, right, right. Um, and instead, the acting is allowed to be what it needs to be to be honest and naturalistic because all of the rest of the filmmaking is solid. It's it's beautifully shot. Yeah. It's well written. It's the production design solid. The lighting is gorgeous. Yeah. All of those pieces and those giant vistas. I mean, I just, I can't imagine the time that it took to find those locations. You know, it's funny. I actually don't think it probably took too long at all. I bet you they asked the nomads where well, the no, best places point, to go. Right? So, but no, I think, I, you know, you're right. You're right though. It's it, finding the right, the right, time of day to go to these uh, places right. You're like the, in the with the right lands. weather in right. the right pl- yeah and uh, so much of this looks like it was shot in low light mm-hmm. um they showed us on the area Alexa mini i just looked up but uh I, it's you can it's you can't get a bad picture out of that camera um but one of the things i noticed was that they didn't use a single telephoto lens the entire film it looks like the entire film was shot some somewhere on like a 35 millimeter or or wider um, and there was only, uh, there was only one shot that was felt like a, a weird, uh, like a really stark close up. There were a few close ups, but the one that really stood out because I didn't know if it, it was jarring to me. I'll say that was when Dave and Fern were in the bedroom with the baby and it was when he asked her to yeah. stay, mm-hmm. right? Because they really wanted to get your attention um, that was the only time that I thought maybe this jumped to a 50, but it overall, the entire film was really like this wide angle look and it made you feel like you were right there next to them the entire time you were sitting in the van with them. You were sitting around the campfire. You were face to face. I mean, sometimes the, and this is where the uh, performances of these non actors are even more impressive is that there's a camera up their nose. No, that's exactly right. Like, yeah. It's incredible that, I mean, you're talking a full like Aerial X mini in your face, likely on some kind of uh, pole that's coming out of a guy's backpack on his back that is suspended in front of you. And you're you can't look at the camera. Right. And you have to tell this emotional story about something. And that's hard to do. So. Right. Yeah, it's. That's that that makes me it, it's impressive that those non-actors were even able to do that. Um, let, let me talk about music a little bit because that's. Always oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah. I always ask you about that. I forgot to do and, that. Yeah. It's all right. I, <laughs> um, the music in this is lovely. It's mm-hmm. beautiful. It's simple. It's, it's definitely piano the whole feels time, Western. Right? I, I think it may be. I'm, I'm not going to even reference that as much as its use in the film. Mm-hmm. It's it is the it's the smash cut the the music would establish something for us it would be we'd be floating along mm-hmm. 
with a character as they as whatever they were doing and certainly it's mostly fern who's doing it mm-hmm. um and then there would be a the music would slam off door closes boom. door closes music's done Sh- these these drastic shifts and that happened with sound as well and i found it was really interesting this idea that you know there are moments where we're no longer on the journey but we're stopped and those stopping points, mm-hmm. were, and, and I don't mean, mean that that's when it was only used, but it was like w- how it was flowing. Mm-hmm. They it was they were smash cuts of music and 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 sound, and I just thought it was a very interesting technique when you're having a film that has these wide vistas and this mm-hmm. this smooth camera work and all of that kind of thought, thoughtful framing to then to the way to to move us through the transitions the the changes in whether it's mood or tone or scene or whatever is to use clean crisp uh yeah unfaded or dissolved untransitioned music uh and sound and that that was a very interesting choice that i thought was effective in the, in the piece. That, and that's part of what made it feel like this documentary for me too mm-hmm. is like you're you're this hard cut from the sound in one location then all of a sudden you're at this new spot and it's completely different sound completely different feeling there's no j cut running us right right. it's just cut 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 and it's hard and you're taken from one experience to the next to the next to the next um and then the music really when i when i remember the music was like i mentioned before in the pacing segment we talked about it was a lot in those flowing from Mm -hmm the travel bits right from place to place and then all of a sudden yeah door closes or something you're in this new place and it's a hard cut and the music's gone and now they're experiencing this new hardship wherever they are if that's cleaning the toilets or uh it may not be a hardship maybe they're just wandering through the badlands and mm-hmm. on this tour that they don't have much interest in they want to go experience the actual thing uh well not everything they're doing is bad work or they're just at an 80 foot dinosaur the work they're you know. doing has bad parts to it right um you know my job i don't need to clean shit off a toilet <laughs> yeah like i don't need <laughs> right, to right, do right. that I, right um i you know in my job i don't need to be worried about wearing gloves right because of the number of people coming through the space you yeah, know yeah uh th- there's things about those jobs that are challenging but they are all jobs one of the, these perceptions of the kind of person that we're looking at is that they don't work right, right. they're these slovenly lazy right these people might work harder than nomad. i do they work they are workers right and yeah. they're uh, and uh, well and fern says at one point she's like i enjoy work she right. likes she likes work mm-hmm. Right, she doesn't want to retire, mm-hmm. which they which they really do try and push on her, um, and she doesn't want to retire. And part of that's because the knowledge that retirement can't sustain you, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not. Well, that's what one of them brought up, right? Yeah. It was like her retire, her uh, social security wasn't gonna give her all that much at all. And 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 so the work still. Well, and I don't know if that was because this. So this took place in 2011, 2012, right? Um, right. 2012. This is, this is and this is just po- right. It's post, post the collapse yeah. right there so that had that anymore. had something to do with it mm-hmm. um but a lot of it is about is about the world trying to fit you into this system and i think bob gives a speech at the beginning when she first gets to the right. desert about this um i don't remember fully you would probably remember better than i do um since it felt much like up your alley <laughs> <laughs> um about you know fitting into what this country says that we should be doing and and we should be working this workhorse of these people and right he talked about the workhorse that works until it goes out to pasture and there's another way to live yeah um and i love the fact that he says and and so i want to help people like that's what we're going to do we're going to help each other Mm -hmm. because they do really live in this fascinating bartered communalism yeah you know i'm a trade up i'm a trade up uh pot holder for uh right for a can opener can opener yeah Yeah. um and then the knowledge of where that came from i think one of the other things that's really interesting is you know i have uh i have my phone next to me right now right Mm -hmm. um i don't know who made this phone or where it came from Mm -hmm. but they know where all the stuff they have comes comes from from. right Right. it has the alienation of what we do with our product is not in existence Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's gifts arriving for my daughter's baby shower here at our right, house. Right. And we know 
we know who gave those gifts right because there's a registry that has people's names in it and that's but we don't really know where that gift came from yeah you you know what i mean didn't make it something yeah the the book that came in the mail wasn't made by the person who's giving it yeah and that is something that's distinct and my my wife makes blankets for everybody who's having a baby and Mm -hmm. any of our any of our close circle and it it turns out those blankets are really meaningful to people, which is funny. I mean, in some of them, Lisa's barely knows, mm-hmm. but th- but it is the blanket that Lisa gave them, as opposed to the blanket from Walmart, right? That Lisa bought for them. That Lisa bought for them, right? And, and that distinction, for it matters, and that distinction is definitely present in mm-hmm. this story. That things get have meaning from from where you got them and who gave them to you, and and yeah. and your exchange back. There's that guy with the dinosaur bone mm-hmm. or whatever if well even going that. right down to the meal that the family ate at the end right you knew where that bird came from because nope, the, exactly. the shot before it you saw them talking about that's the, right the feathers Actually, on that, that bird. that's a really good point right you know that, like they know really, exactly really where everything coming, coming is yep. everything is coming from and there's something really valuable about that mm-hmm. living that close to your life um to to whether it's the land or it's um you know the community that you're in that Mm -hmm. that tight close community um so yeah no yeah i I mean i loved that they were eating together and that they were you know there's this this com this community this commune of people um who was was, wasn't permanent right that desert space is only they're only there for a certain amount of time Mm -hmm. and then they move on and then they come back and get together and um they're all helping each other or they're all, you know, it was very socialist. Um, yeah, to some extent, certainly, you know, certainly is about freedom, right? It's about that, that uh, idea of being free to make those choices and certainly yeah. to be committed to people without needing to own them in any way or like possess them. So yeah, I think so. I don't think they would use that. Language no, they wouldn't at, use that language, at all, but that's the language that, that that's what came to mind at first was like, this is like fully like people just living together and helping each other and doing, you know what they need to do and if somebody needs help with money or someone needs help fixing a tire i'm going to take you down to the you know mechanic and get you a tire and we'll get that fit like it's just it's just about helping um and so interesting we so we we watch a good amount of uh eastern films films from asia and 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 that sort of thing and we often then end up discussing individualism versus collectivism. And this is fully a, an American film that is distinctly collectivist in its approach. Right. Which isn't a surprise considering the director is, uh, has Asian heritage of some sort. Um, I, I would, I, I believe based on some, and some, well, whatever connection to those bigger ideas. Right. This, this is based on a book, I think. And that too means that there is, in- I mean, there's integrity to this story um, and what these people are choosing. And it seems like it's the, a way to live. Like bartering culture makes some sense, I guess, in, in that way. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. You yeah. know, it. I, I just feel like we, we, you're so right about it feeling like a documentary because it does the work a documentary does mm-hmm. brings us into a culture and allows us to explore it unvarnished and with care yeah um but it is a dramatic work it's a narrative work and so we have a storyline that we're following of this individual character and um you know mcdormand is magnificent at her ability to refuse to have to glam up in any way like she is yeah. the person yeah and so you know as sh- as she lives we get to see her again in an unvarnished way and and that humanizes her and, and i just love that about the movie there's just so many incredible moments in the film um and i mean we could talk for hours on this mm-hmm. this film there's going to be there's going to I can't talk about it because I I don't know what what's going to stick out to me tonight and tomorrow and the next day. There's definitely going to be moments from the film that are going to uh, stick with me, um, visuals and yeah, um, 
just moments, you know. So there's a musician who I love named Pat the Bunny. I don't know if I've ever forced <laughs> you to listen to Pat the Bunny. I've never listened to uh, Pat I, the Bunny. I, you probably have actually heard Pat the Bunny in my house. And Pat the Bunny is a, a nomad. He's a hobo. He, sure. He, he travels on. He's traveled across the country on trains. Yeah. He performs in people's living rooms for so so he can stay the night at their house. Yeah. Um. He's sort of this anarchist, um, <laughs> musician, uh, troubled drug addict not drug addict like amazing figure yeah um and this movie echoed that same sensibility to me hmm. that, so there was something about this that is a true part of our american culture that's what i want to say our an, a counterculture that exists and and spans ages and although this film really does focus on the older folks like it does focus on them i think it is a film that's about something that is troubling in our american culture and that we are owned by this corporate entities and yeah. there's something that happens to us when they betray us which they do by their nature they're going to betray mm -hmm. us and what happens to the american dream or the american ideal or the american home when that yeah. takes place and the movie lets us live that yeah um and with older folks for the most part but again i, th I think this is a cross-cultural cross-generational kind of story um, and I just find that really admirable and beautiful. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, I mean, you brought up that this was a Western, right? And is this like a mo this is like a modern day Western, right? It's what that's what it feels like, and that's right. what it, you know. You don't have any cowboys or, well, in fact, I guess you would. I mean, I guess cowboys now are just these nomads who are just, just traveling, traveling around, around, and right? Th so. There is a tra traumatic nature to the cowboy genre. Yeah. You know, there is this sense of what it means to own the land and what it means to have home and but of all the things i would say about it being a western is it looks like and feels like the west mm -hmm. and i'm not an expert on the west but my theater partner of yeah. 20 years is an expert on the west and when i think of him and his world where i've spent some time and it, it this is what this movie feels like it's yeah. it's treading that land yeah and that's the same land that a movie like john ford's the searchers is treading right it's the same land that true grit is treading um just those are dramatic pieces first instead of yeah these these intimate human stories um and and so that you know i i think there's something about this that makes sense that it's a western yeah and that's cool like that's a cool no it's, it's super thing cool. about the genre yeah well i don't know what else you want to add there is we, we could talk all the time about this we could we could go for on forever but um yeah i i mean i i seriously think that this is a film that you should watch if you get the time pop it on be don't don't leave your phone in the room with you put it somewhere else leave it on silent in the kitchen or something and just be in the film um and don't pause in the middle don't like it's a movie you gotta you gotta you have yeah. to watch the whole thing you will have time to process as the film is going um and actively think about what you're watching um actively think about how this relates to you or how this is even just relating to the characters in the film and just think your way through it. Um, yeah, there are act breaks in this movie, mm -hmm. but they're but they're not act breaks in the way that if you're two-thirds the way through uh, Endgame, you can you could pause that movie, right. walk out of the room, make a sandwich, come back and start it again, and the yeah. new act starts. Here it's just this interesting flow. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, I think you want to watch the whole thing. Un and, uninterrupted, and yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I mean, I don't know about you. I would, I would say I would love, I would have loved to watch this in theaters. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's uh, beautiful. I think this, those vistas, yeah. especially that, that shot when she's walking out the back of her house. I mean, yeah. it's a hundred shots, but that shot of her walking out the back of her house with that fence center framed and her yeah. walking out of frame. Oh, that's oh, I want to talk about that shot. So give me one second. Yeah, I want to say talk, one more thing. Let's go. Yeah. Um, the, the, one of the images I thought was so well crafted and blocked was the moment when she's leaving her sister's house. And they meet together out front of the house and there's an exchange of gift, right? There's this yeah. little exchange of sandwich, right? Yeah. That thing that takes place. And then McDormand's character, Fern, walks away down the street and the sister walks back into their house, paralleled out. And uh -huh. you're, you're like, sure, this feels like a documentary, but that's not a documentary. Right, right, right. That's right. blocked and planned. And, yeah. And, and that, I just have so much respect for that work. Yeah. I just... You know. The direction is top. I mean, the whole the whole film is just masterfully crafted um, to make it feel like one thing, even though it might not be that. Um, but right. it convinces you that it is. And that's why you want to see it in theaters, because those vistas and the storytelling and the craftsmanship yeah. on a big screen has a lot of value. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
Other than that, yep, that's it. Let's, that's it. Let's, let's wrap up. That's good. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Racking Focus podcast. John, where can they go to find us? Oh, there's so many places, but the easiest thing to do is go to rackingfocuspodcast.com. Am I right about that? I, dot is that our web address? Org. org. Is it org? Dot net. Dot net? Dot com. It's dot, dot com. It's dot com. It is dot com. It's dot com. Um, uh, and so now I've, I'm confused and so is everyone else. <laughs> but uh, because all our, all our links are there, but you can find us on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at pod focus on instagram at racking focus podcast am i right that's correct that's correct our email address is racking focus pod at gmail everyone's different you can find all this info and you can find josiah and i at at, um uh on letterboxd where we post reviews on a regular basis of this film and that's really where you should follow us that's 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 like the the number one place that you should go is letterboxd and subscribe to us in apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite podcast yeah yeah and you should review us um five stars please uh and then crap on us in the comments that's totally fine uh but five stars allows us to kind of be seen a little bit more and And maybe maybe, someone maybe somebody will find us and yeah other than that though share this with a friend who likes film podcasts that's it. And go watch Nomadland. And watch Nomadland. All right. On Hulu. Cool. Thank you guys for listening, and we'll see you later. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Racking Focus Podcast.